Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed, also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Hello and welcome to the Circling the Bases podcast. My name is DJ Short and back with me here is my co-host Drew Silva. With this episode, we're continuing our series featuring teams who are the most active leading up to last month's MLB lockout. And today we're going to talk some San Francisco Giants with Alex Pavlovic of NBC Sports Bay Area. Alex, thanks for joining us here. Much appreciated. Of course, guys, it's funny to hear the Giants be described as most active because I, I think their fans would feel different. But yeah, I guess technically they were they were up there. Well, I mean, yeah, you looked at their rotation. I think DJ and I did a podcast you know, before that flurry of activity, right before the lockout. And it was like, who are, who are the Giants going to field as a rotation? But they did well, yeah. re-signed Desclafani and, and Alex Wood and then brought in Alex Cobb as well, and and Logan Webb at the top. I'm sure we'll talk about him. So they kind of filled those holes. Definitely some some holes on offense. There, I think there's so many angles, things to talk about with this team, this organization as a whole. I feel like we could go several hours here on the on the Giants, but we won't do yeah. that to you, Alex. <laughs> 107 regular season wins last year. That was a franchise record, right? Yeah, it was. Yeah, yeah. NLS title finally putting a halt to the Dodgers run of dominance or regular season dominance, but from a roster that didn't have very lofty external expectations going into 2021, Gabe Kapler was manager of the year. Uh, That seems like it happened forever ago. Uh, Farhan Zaidi, the club president, got a ton of credit, deservedly so, a number of crafty additions from the front office. But yeah, I mean, steering into 2022, I think preseason expectations are going to be quite a bit higher. They lost some pieces and we'll be counting on players to to repeat levels of production. It could be viewed as like unsustainable due to age or, you know, because of some natural built-in regression that we're expecting. Um, but yeah, I think, I think there's a lot to cover here and, and, and thanks for joining us. I don't have a question in there. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> I, I guess to start with, let's talk about the moves that they made prior to the lockout. And like Drew was saying, when we did this podcast, I guess it was like two months ago, we we're like, okay, they got Logan Webb, but like, who's their number two? Is it like Sammy Long? Like, we had no idea. So they were very active in, in plugging those holes, but losing Kevin Gosman, five years, 110 million to the Blue Jays, they did seem to fill that spot with Alex Wood, I, which I really like that signing, two years, 20 million. Coming off a year where he was, I think, a little bit under the radar how how effective he, he was with the Angels. 
3.76 ERA over 18 starts. Does that just add the pressure for Logan Webb to duplicate what he did last year? I think to some extent, I mean, he, he's the opening day starter right now, and there's no question about it. And, uh, you know, we've seen who's gone off the market. Like, it'd be pretty hard for anybody at this point to come in and, I think, unseat him as the opening day starter, just because the, those guys, Scherzer, Gosman, those types are are gone for the most part. So it does put some pressure on him. I, I also think the fact that he's surrounded by three veterans will, will take some of that pressure off of him. And the other thing I'll say is he wants that pressure. So, it, you know, it, it seems like it's a tough spot to put a, a young pitcher in when he's only really had, you know, what, four and a half good months in the big leagues for the most part, something like that. So, but Logan is one of the most competitive young players I, I've been around. He wanted those spots. He wanted game one of the NLDS. He wanted game five. You know, I, I think he will come into spring training and even though he'll say the right things, I, I think internally he wants opening day and, and he wants to be there in game one of, of a postseason series again. So it is pressure, but I, I, I think maybe it's cliche, but he's one of those guys who who really has very, very high expectations for himself and, and will want that. Yeah, I mean, you could see that down the stretch last year as the Giants held off the Dodgers to win that that division title in, in the postseason, just like a blast to watch that guy go out there and and compete and i mean he did a lot with a sinker mm-hmm. which is it's a very unique pitch in baseball the way that his move i think by vertical movement i was i was reading about him it's like one of the best pitches in all of baseball and you know pitching to soft contact a bit it's not really a, a thing you see a lot in in this sport right now but he, he you know he, he brings a decent strikeout rate too and I, I don't know. I, I really believe in I, he, I think he was going 17th overall right now among starting pitchers on like fantasy draft boards. So he's being treated as as a, a fantasy ace as long as, as a, to go along with the way he's being treated uh, as an ace in, in their rotation. I, I think he's going to have a huge year. And, and now that the, the innings have climbed and he, he finally actually put together pr- pretty much a full season in the majors. Uh, do you think he's going to make the jump to be like a 200 or approaching 200 inning kind of guy. I do. It's funny with Logan, the story with him, you know, he did have a suspension in the minors and, and uh, he just never threw a lot of innings coming up to the big leagues and, you know, didn't throw a whole lot his first year in the big leagues. And obviously 2020, we know what happened there. And, and so there was always this question of, you know, how do you get his innings up? How do you get him to, to gradually build to a point where you're comfortable? But I think the fact that he held up so well during that season and, and really was, was stronger than anybody on the team down the stretch and, and into the postseason, you saw what he did to the Dodgers. I mean, that will let him kind of take the reins off. And, and he's he's a big kid. He, he's, he's not very tall, but he's built well. He's a former high school quarterback. He, he's somebody who you would expect. Like, you look at him and you expect him to throw 200 innings. It, it's just been a matter of, him getting that experience in the big leagues and, and he hasn't ever really had a chance to build up to that many, but I, I think he has built up now to the point after last season that, yeah, I mean, health willing, I expect 33 starts out of him and, and 200 plus innings in, in a really good year. You know, it's funny about the Cobb signing. It almost feels like now, whenever the Giants sign anyone, they'll kind of work their magic with these guys, but can Cobb be that guy? Can he fill the, Gosman void and and be that I'm not saying he's going to be an ace or anything like that but you know be that sort of pitcher he was when he was with the Rays can he be that over a full season they hope so I, I mean he has a lot of the characteristics obviously the splitter is, is something that worked with, with Gosman and, yeah. and that turned him around 
in San Francisco. They've they've done a you know really good job, and it's not just Wood and Discofani and Gosman, but I mean Drew Pomerantz kind of turned it around when they put him in the bullpen and and let him loose a little bit. Drew Smiley got I think eleven million from the Braves after after yeah. what seven starts with the Giants. So they've done this repeatedly, and they feel like he's kind of the next guy in line. That they they're one of those teams now that you know you you kind of identify couple things that they can see in a, in a in a pitcher and the Dodgers have done it like the race do it I, they're just one of those teams now that will identify things and, and get a guy to the next level I don't know that he has the ceiling I mean Gosman had like a 1-7 ERA for the first couple months of the year and when he was at his best yeah. uh, the splitter is unhittable and he's thrown 97-98 so I, I think the ceiling was higher there but they just want Gosman to be there with Di Scofani and, and Wood and another one of those guys who's going to give you a, a good start every five days and, and they figure they have the offense and the defense to figure out the rest before we move on here just a quick word for our listeners the nfl playoffs are here and nbc sports edge plus is giving you a special offer get 15 percent off an edge plus annual subscription throughout the playoffs when you use promo code playoff 15 get every tool for every game at one low price it's easier than ever to play and wager with confidence when you have nbc sports edge plus so, again, as we look ahead to 2022, whenever this labor dispute is is resolved, <laughs> it's going to be tricky, I think, with the Giants. Obviously, there's still a lot to be written for every team's offseason, really. But to see Buster Posey retire, you know, following a year where he really turned back the clock offensively, hit 304, 18 homers, 889 OPS, just near vintage skills at the plate. And I think for many, it was either the Giants were going to pick up the option or they were going to work out a new contract. So to see the the retirement obviously caught a lot of people off guard, uh, retiring at age 34. But for him, you know, it was about the physical demands of, of being a catcher and continuing to go out there every day. And I think maybe also getting a taste of being home when he opted out of the 2020 season. Yeah. But that's a that's a huge hole to fill as well as, you know, expecting Brandon Crawford to do something similar to, to what he did last year. So, you know, we talked a bit about the pitching side. Uh, now let's flip over to the offense and and how they can duplicate what they did last year. I mean, the Giants led the National League in home <laughs> runs, which I think a lot of people <laughs> even realize that, that they did that. But where is the pressure going to fall offensively? Again, a lot can still happen, but it seems like there's some holes there they need to fill. There are, I think, you know, one they they really need another right-handed bat. So, I, and there's yeah. some guys on the market who could potentially really fill that hole if they're willing to spend, which they haven't really done the last two or three years. But I think you, you mentioned those guys, and I would even go further down the line. Like it's basically everybody. The reason they won 107 games is, you know, go and look what Darren Ruff did, what Wade Jr. did. Uh, Brandon Belt had a career year. Crawford, best offensive years had by far just really up and down the line with the exception of maybe yeah. Longoria who got hurt and, and struggled when he came back. It, it was, it, it was numbers that you probably wouldn't expect them to put up again. So that's going to be an issue. Um, and, and that's going to be something they're going to have to replace. Uh, there's guys you can look at. Yastrzemski, I think probably has a slightly better year in him. And, and certainly they'll get a full year of Wade and, and feel good about him. But yeah, there, there's, there's a lot of regression you can see in, in that roster. Uh, and that's even before you get to, to Posey being gone, Chris Bryant likely being gone. So there's a lot of pressure on on everybody, I think. And a lot of it, you mentioned Posey. 
it, it, a lot of it's going to fall to Joey Bart probably because he is, you know, going to get his shot to be the guy. And he, he is the former number two pick. He's been their top prospect until Luciano kind of passed him the last couple of years. But still, I, I think Baseball America had him number 70 today or something like that. So it, it's going to fall on him, I, I think, to make up for a lot of that production, at least from, from where Posey was. Yeah, man. I, I think once fantasy baseball like draft season gets underway, hopefully that happens in February and March like usual, but we just don't know yet. I, I think there's going to be a lot of focus on Joey Bart, and he's going to like move up draft boards because you look at the opportunity here. I mean, he's not really threatened by Kurt Casale, I think, for a lot of playing time as long as Bart plays fairly well and you look at the prospect pedigree the numbers he put up in the minors I, I know he's struggled in very limited action at the major league level so far uh, with Posey coming back in 2021 and doing what he did and you know just kind of limited at bats in 2020 and didn't do much with them but the, the offensive numbers in the minors uh, just the opportunity I think he's he's kind of unique among catchers with the upside and the possibility for a ton of playing time. But you mentioned the Giants needing a right-handed bat, and I'm sure that's going to be the focus whenever the transaction freeze lifts. Is Seiya Suzuki? I mean, they seemed like they might have been serious players for for him, the, the outfielder from yeah. Japan, um, whose market is in, like, like we'll call it lockout limbo right now. <laughs> I'm sure you've <laughs> written about it and, and talked about it a ton. And I, I know it's all quiet right now, but what, what were the rumblings about Suzuki possibly heading to San Francisco before the transactions all stopped in December? Yeah, they, they like him. They're one of the teams that talked to him before, you know, he got put in his own little lock, lock out there uh, and had his clock stop. But uh, it is, you know, it, it's I'm, even as somebody who covers them, I'm fascinated to see what they do just because they haven't spent. I mean, the most money they've get, given to a position player in, in the last few years since Farhan took over is, is uh, Tommy Lasella. And, you know, the, the contracts that they gave out to the pitchers that you guys mentioned stand out compared to what they've done the last three years. But, I mean, we're, we're talking 20, 30 million here. So it's just not something they've done with the exception of, you know, a, a three-week flirtation with yeah. Bryce Harper early on. I think it's – they haven't even really been in on, on a lot of the biggest guys. And, and they made it pretty clear early, early in the offseason that they felt – you know, even Chris Bryant would kind of be out of their stratosphere of, of what they feel comfortable with. And I, I think the it's not a problem. I mean, it's a good thing, but they've they found Yastrzemski. They found Dickerson. They found Ruff and, and Wade. And, and they found ways to piece it together for not for free, but essentially for free in baseball terms. So I don't know that they'll go out and spend 60, 70, you know, 100 million when this is all over. That's just not the way they've done it. On the other hand, this might be a situation where they've been sitting here for the last six weeks and, and looking at the team and looking at what's left and thinking that's kind of the only way, maybe the, the only surefire way at this point to do it would be to go get somebody like Suzuki or, or bring Bryant back. Right. And if we're sitting here talking about sort of expected regression, there's no way they're not thinking the, the same thing because I think this roster yeah. kind of screams possibly taking a step back. I, I don't think it's crazy to say the team is unlikely to win 107 games again. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, as currently constructed, that that seems unlikely. The Dodgers are going to do something. I know they've been kind of shut out until this point. They did re-sign Chris Taylor, but things haven't fallen their way this offseason. Max Scherzer, you know, signs with the Mets. So yeah, the Dodgers are going to be coming. The Padres are always a threat. So this might be one of those situations, like you were saying, that they might have to stick their neck out, their neck out and, and sign someone like Suzuki to fit in 
obvious need for a right-handed bat uh, in that lineup. So I think it's going to be fascinating uh, to see how that plays out. One player I wanted to ask you about in in this lineup, Lamont Wade Jr., kind of one of these finds that yet another find that the, that the Giants have made, someone who we didn't really yeah. know a year ago, uh, the casual baseball fan certainly didn't know, and obviously performed fantastically. But what are the chances that he can grow even further from here as a as a core contributor for this offense? Yeah, he was acquired, I think, right around this time a year ago. And when I say they get you know these guys for free, I mean, they got him for Sean Anderson, who was at the time kind of a... a reliever and I, I think he was dfa'd by three different teams last year i like sean he's getting up with the padres but it, it is just it doesn't cost so much and they end up with wade who hit weed off for him who hit third who hit fourth became kind of a cult hero in san francisco because he he had so many big hits in, in the late innings and i i view him yeah. he reminds me of mike yastrzemski and how serious he is about his work how serious he is about getting better every single day and, and very open-minded to what they were doing with their hitting coaches last year and he, he did the work before he got here and, and he was doing it in the off season back in Maryland, but he came in and, and made all the adjustments that they wanted him to make to find power. Cause he, he just never had it in the minors. He never had it in Minnesota. That was kind of what always held him back. And all of a sudden he tapped into it with the giants and, and looks like a legitimate, I, I mean, I, I feel really good about his odds of continuing to build on that. Cause I, I just think he's a very serious player when it comes to his improvement and, you know, I've heard people who have talked to him this offseason and say he's back to doing the same thing. He's in the cage at Maryland or early in the offseason. And and he's pretty young still. So I, I feel good about that. The caveat, I guess, would be that we yeah. saw basically the same breakout from Yastrzemski a year earlier, even a little bit better because he was kind of a back-end MVP ballot guy. And the league adjusted to him a little bit last year. So I'm sure we'll see that from Wade. And I'm sure he will work on the adjustments. It just We saw it with Yaz last year. It, it took you know, it, it took time, and, and I don't think he ever quite figured it out once teams started pitching him a little bit different. Tyler Beatty, do you think he has like a, a real shot? I guess a lot can change right. once baseball business gets back going, but do you think he has a real shot at claiming that like number five rotation spot coming out of spring training if spring training happens? I, I've, I've been intrigued by him for a long time. I know there was yeah. Tommy John surgery. He was kind of like a fantasy sleeper going into 2020. Yeah. I'm um, right before I, I, did that happen at spring training where he like tours UCO? It yeah, I mean he was September of 2019 like down yeah. the stretch there was you know throwing better than he ever had. He came into camp and, and was even a tick up in velocity. He was throwing 98 at the end of February, which is you know basically where he had maxed out in the big leagues and you know we've seen it so many times a guy is looks better than he ever has and all of a sudden the elbow flares up. It was like the first week of March 20 2020. So he missed that season, came back last year, and, and just never really got going with his command. Um, the stuff came back for the most part, just the command was a real issue for him. I, I've always been a fan of his. I, I think the stuff is just you know off the charts compared to most starters they've had come through the system. And and he came up at a similar time as Webb, and Beatty has better had better stuff back then. Um, so I, he's somebody that you just kind of go you know get him in the lab with Bailey and in the and Brian Bannister and these guys and, and figure out what he needs to do. And uh, yeah. so I, for me, like if you're talking like fantasy and things like that, potentially could really break through this year. I just, he hasn't found the command. And I, I do think they're a team that will go into camp probably with like six or seven guys ahead of him. They mm -hmm. also tried to do that last year with Logan Webb and he was so <laughs> good in spring training that, 
you, you know, when Alex Wood got hurt at the end of camp, they put him in the rotation and and that was it. And he's their opening day starter now. So there's like that path there for BD to to have a huge leap this year. And I honestly I've been waiting for it for like three years. Just he hasn't and Tommy John set him back quite a bit, but he just hasn't quite found it yet. But super talented and I think it was important that they kept him on the 40 man roster when when they don't have many spots. So it tells you what they think about him. So Camilo Duvall emerged late last year, came on in a big way and really rode that into the postseason, uh, really claimed his spot in the back end of that bullpen. Do you think he'll open the year in the closer role or is he going to be someone who maybe pitches some of those high leverage spots in the seventh and eighth innings and they give Jake McGee another shot at the closer role? Yeah, it, it's tough with the Giants because Gabe Kapler's been here for two years and has never named anyone his closer. And yeah. <laughs> he's, uh, even when McGee last year, I mean, he he would still mix Tyler Rogers in every few weeks yeah. in the ninth inning and, you know, never named Duvall as closer. But there he is in, in game one of of the NLDS and, and down the stretch. I He should be the closer. I, I think if they had to name anybody the closer, it will be him. I mean, he, the stuff's off the charts and he just doesn't have a heartbeat. Like he, he's a young kid who just doesn't, was completely unbothered by everything they threw at him. You know, he did struggle at times last year, especially when he first came up. And, and in AAA, he struggled at times too. So it's not like there's a, a long track record. I mean, they basically have September and the NLDS where, where you look at him as being dominant. But yeah. when you're throwing 102 and have a good slider and can locate it, it you, you should be the closer. So I, I would guess he will go into camp is the closer. I would also say he just hasn't done it for more than five weeks. So it, it's a little bit scary if you're trying to bet on him, but he should be their closer. Yeah. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed, also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Hear that? It's the call of the Crave. And when the Crave calls, you know what to do. Try the $5 Bacon Bundle. Because the only thing better than a White Castle slider is a White Castle slider topped with crispy hickory smoked bacon. So pick any two of either the Bacon Cheese Slider, 1921 Bacon Cheese Slider, or Chicken Bacon Ranch Slider. And also get a small fry for just $5 with the $5 Bacon Bundle. White Castle. Follow your crave. Fantasy managers and analysts always want to know about who's going to be hitting like leadoff. Yeah, we saw Wade do some of that last year with Tommy Listella again, struggled with injuries. Could Listella get another shot in that position? I mean, that's kind of why they signed him to that, like you mentioned, a, a relatively sizable contract for how they've been spending on, under Zaidi. Because he was a guy that could get on base, he hasn't really done that. But again, again, the, the sample size is small is because yeah. uh, he's just missed so much time with, with injuries. But yeah. 
and and, I, and again, you mentioned Gabe Kapler. He's a he's not a guy who really likes defined roles. So maybe they try a few different players in that spot. What, what do you, what do you think at, at leadoff for this team potentially? Yeah, I think the guys you mentioned. I mean, Lestella certainly I would expect to get a shot. The, the caveat with him is he had Achilles surgery after the season, and it was very you know one problem with the winter meetings is you kind of lose that opportunity to sit there with them every day and try to get more info. It was very mysterious. I guess with Tommy, he, he went to mm-hmm. Wisconsin and, and just had his Achilles operated on. There's not a whole lot of info about where he is right now or, or what, you know, um, camp's going to look like. And I, I've been around long enough to know that a lot of times when they tell you guys can be ready for spring training, you you start playing that game in spring training where you're looking at the clock and you go, oh, okay, now we're looking at like May. So I wouldn't say that. I would just say that's kind of the issue with him is he's – he does have the the Achilles, but they love him at the top of the lineup. I would expect him to be at the top of the lineup if he's healthy, just because it's not even just the on-base percentage. It's just the quality of his plate appearances. They're just never two pitches. It's always, you know, four, five, six, seven pitches, and, and that's something Gabe Kapler feels very strongly about. It's a reason they love Darren Ruff as well. Uh, it's a reason they love love Wade, but I think Tommy would get another shot at it. I also think Wade is, is probably the – the guy who you could look at potentially just given where the roster is right now is, is being a leadoff hitter for him. Austin Slater, I think is a underrated player. I know he's kind of a platoon, like short side platoon type of guy, but he's someone that I don't think got enough attention for, for what he did last year. And uh, certainly if you play like DFS or you have a fantasy league where you can slot players in from day to day, I think he has a lot of value, and the way Gabe Kapler puts together his lineup, he's going to play a bunch as well. <laughs> Whenever there's a lefty on the mound, but... <laughs> yeah, if you play DFS, I think you should be paying attention to the Giants quite mm-hmm. a bit. Yeah, it, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, when there's a lefty, you know Darren Ruff's going to be in the heart of the lineup. You know Austin Slater's going to be hitting leadoff, and he crushed lefties, and, and that's or or he has in the big leagues, and that's kind of been his job. And he's just going to he's going to play against him. I think the most important thing is he played a pretty solid center field, which means he can. No matter what they do with whether it's Suzuki or Bryant or you know none of those guys, there's a spot there for Slater because they don't really have an everyday center fielder right now, and he can play center field against every lefty, and they they feel comfortable with him there. So you're pretty much guaranteed if you know Urias is on the mound or or, or somebody like that that he's going to hit leadoff and he's going to get those at bats. He's also an incredible pinch hitter. So if 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 you have to have him in your lineup, I guess for a week when they have a bunch of lefties, he's probably going to play the other couple of days and and get a shot to do some damage. Yeah, both Slater and Ruff. They look at their career splits. It's like yeah, very much platoon yeah. guys. But if you've got an intelligent front office and an intelligent manager, you you can make that work. And the Giants have. You mentioned Marco Luciano earlier. I, we should touch on him because he is just shot up prospect ranks uh not or he like just turned 20 years old at the end of the, of the year already rising up to to high a ball and you know putting up pretty fantastic numbers at that level I, i'd say like an 815 overall ops 19 home runs last year between low a and, and high a I, I don't know what what's the, what are the rumblings about him i know he's probably not going to even threaten for major league attention in 2022 but what what does the front office feel about his future? Can he stick at shortstop? I guess is a, a question too. But they've got to be impressed by what he's done so far in his limited time as a pro. Yeah, I mean he's you know he's like one of those guys who just jumps off the field when you see him, just athletically and physically. For how young he is, uh, you know, you watch him take batting practice. It's just it's just different than most guys. And 
The power is unbelievable. He did struggle when he got promoted to high A. He, he crushed low A. But he's really young for that level. So uh, I would expect him to probably start there again in high A. They have been very deliberate with guys. You know, Elliot Ramos spent all of last year in the minors, yeah. even though he tore up spring training. Uh, Joey Bart, I think, got two plate appearances all of last year, even though there was probably an opportunity at times for him to to play a little bit. So I, I think it's going to be a, a slow burn there. And, and the fact that Brandon Crawford, you know, finished fourth in the MVP voting as your shortstop allows you to to take your time. But uh, I would say probably a year from now at this time, we're going to be, you know, thinking about when he's going to come up. They, they do believe he's going to be, can stick at shortstop and, and can play shortstop just physically and, and has the ability to do so. I don't know if he's going to end up there. I, he's just so big for somebody his age and, and so physically mature. Like there's not a whole lot of those guys who are, are that built who stick at shortstop. Uh, and the fact that, you know, Crawford is there potentially means he comes up in another spot, but uh, it's going to be, I, I think just a tremendous power hitter whenever he gets there and, and is still just incredibly young. So a very, very bright future for him. I was thinking about, you know, assuming the NL gets the DH spot, I think many are assuming that's it's going to happen one way or another. Yeah, that's going to be a fun toy, I think, for for Gabe Kapler to play with to sort of extend this lineup. I would assume Darren Ruff is probably the the primary guy there. You know, they could still make some other additions, but you know, even taking the the prospect of you know Buster Posey would have been perfect. You know, give Joey Bart 80 games, Posey 80 games of the DH spot. But even eliminating that, you know, you could <laughs> you could put Darren Ruff there. You could put Wilmer Flores there. You could rest Brandon Belt here and Evan Longoria. I think there's a lot that the Giants could do with that DH spot, even without Posey. Yeah, and, and Darren, I, I think, you know, his splits, when you look at him, it does look like he, he was pretty extreme. But he did actually, near the end of the year, start playing every day when he was... Well, he did get hurt in September a little bit, but they do trust him against right-handed pitching as well. So a guy that I think they would feel comfortable playing a lot more than they, they did last year. And then the other guy is Wilmer Flores, who they just adore and has had a couple good seasons for him. And a little miscast defensively, but, you know, is, is somebody that they, they really like having in the lineup. So he could be a, another potential guy there. And, and then just as they start to mix in some of these younger guys like a, a Tyro Estrada and Steven Duggar. I mean, there are some outfielders. I, I don't think the Giants will ever have a, a set DH, but they will they will use that spot to their advantage and, and mix mix and match and, and play the platoons as, as much as they can. Another question I wanted to ask you, with the, the slight ballpark changes with dimensions there, for a long time, you know, that stadium was known as a pitcher haven. But, you know, we were mentioning yeah. the Giants led the National League in home runs last year. It does seem like that ballpark's changed a little bit. What is the sense that you get from the front office and the players themselves about how the stadium is, has changed and it has become more conducive, uh, or at least playing more fair to hitters? Yeah, it's definitely a lot more fair in, in dead center and in right center, which it, it's still a long way out there in Triples Alley. It's still, you know, Brandon Belt still gets robbed quite a bit in that ballpark. But it, it helped with that home run total. I think the biggest thing is just they've had a complete overhaul of the coaching staff and these guys just have a different mindset. It's just not, you know, they used to build for that ballpark knowing that you're not going to hit the ball out of that ballpark. And they brought in a staff that kind of doesn't believe that. And it was Donnie Eckers in Texas now, but, you know, the other guys they have, uh, Dustin Wind and, and Justin Veely, 
um, and Gabe Kapler and, and up to the front office, I mean, they, they just kind of more believe in hunting pitches and, and trying to do damage than, you know, having a team that's going to kind of work the gaps at, at Oracle Park and try to win with pitching and try to win three to two. So it, it's just a different mindset and it, it's attacking the ballpark a little bit more. And, and it does play a lot more fair than it used to. And especially, you know, day games, like day games to me, it's a normal park. It, it's not, if you see the Giants with a, and this is again where I would say they're like a great DFS team. Like if you see them with a, a day game against a lefty, like there are guys you can look at and go Slater, Flores, Ruff. They're probably going to hit a homer today or have a good game because it does play pretty live when it when it's sunny out there <laughs> and when it's during the day. I guess before you go, one thing I want to ask you about, we don't have to spend a lot of time on this, but Hall of Fame balloting coming up, Barry Bonds' last chance. I don't think we expect him to get in because I think only 40% of the vote has been publicly identified so far. And he's just kind of right on the fringes, I think 76, 77% the, the last time that I saw it. What's the feeling in San Francisco about Bonds? And also Tim Lincecum's on the ballot this year too. He's likely to be a one and done, but I, I do think it's a shame because he had, you know, he burned pretty brightly when he was, around and when he was great but if anything i think it's it's just a good time to to think back and appreciate what what lincecum did lincecum has a great nfl football hall of fame resume like <laughs> like a kurt warner style eli yeah. May, uh, you know like a, a guy that had a, an incredible peak <laughs> he but he's uh, like a running back so much yeah. about longevity sorry to interrupt yeah no, I actually, I'm glad you did because I released my ballot today and I wrote about why I did vote for Tim Lincecum and I wish I had made the connection to him being a, an NFL player because that's about <laughs> the best I, I've, best way I've heard, heard it put. Just going back to Bonds, I mean, we, we haven't had a lot of faith here for the last few years. It's when, a, I don't know, was it 2017 when Bud Selig got in and there was like a very minimal bump for Bonds and, and Clemens and you just could kind of see the writing on the wall that there's a, a lot of people who will never vote for him. But Timmy is, I think he's at 3.9%. I, I really, I voted for him in large part because I I think it's a shame that he would get bumped off after one year. And a year where so much of the attention is being paid to kind of this PED battle, you know, Bonds and Clemens and then A-Rod and Ortiz come on the ballot and all that. And and I don't think you hear anything about Tim Lincecum. And his first four full seasons, won a Cy Young twice, you know, led the, led the majors in strikeouts three times, was an all-star four times, helped them win their first World Series in San Francisco, and, and just really you know burned extremely bright for four years there. It was as good as anybody we've, we've really seen, like DeGrom accepted for the last couple decades, I, I think. And then his body just wasn't going to hold up. I mean, if you ever met him or seen him in person, he, he's really slight. But yeah, it is like a, it is a very interesting case and one that I wish people would Maybe look a little bit more at guys like that. I mean, this was my first year with a, a ballot, and I went name by name. And not to slam anybody, but like a, the first name on the ballot is Bobby Abreu, and you go through and like he played 18 years and had good numbers, but he never finished higher than 12 hmm. for the MVP vote. He was an All Star twice, so it like kind of tells you where he was compared to his peers. And I, that kind of stood out to me as I voted for Timmy too. Like he he had such a high peak in could legitimately claim that he was right there with like Roy Halladay is the best pitcher for a three or four year period. And to me, that matters a lot. Not, you know, instead of being a guy who was, I don't know, maybe the fifth outfielder on the all-star team. So that was why I voted for him. I hope he makes a second ballot. I don't think he will, but 
he he still is probably the most popular athlete in the Bay Area, except for maybe Steph Curry. So he has that going for him. <laughs> yeah, I feel like a few years ago, there'd be a lot more, especially on Twitter, where everybody gets criticized for everything. But when there would be a vote like that for someone picking a player where you want them just to make it through that first year so there can be a little bit more conversation about their case, I think maybe today people are maybe more willing to do that. I think they should be more willing to do that because we saw Kenny Lofton be a one and done, which is ridiculous. Johan Santana. Yeah, I mean, there's no reason those guys should have fallen off after one. You can game the ballot a little bit. I mean, you know that if somebody's at 35% and it's their sixth year, they're not going to make it. They might make it in three years. So, uh, for instance, I mean, I I didn't vote for Jeff Kent. I might next year because it's his last year, and if he probably needs that support. But I'm surprised more people don't kind of help some of these guys like Tim Hudson had a great career. He, he last year, I think made it by one vote to a second year. So I agree with you. I, I wish more people would just kind of help some of these guys move along to a second or third right. year and, and let there be more well, discussion. I think maybe one benefit of, you know, a Clemens and a bonds falling off the ballot is there'll be more room for that discussion and also just more room in general to, to put those players on the ballot. Yeah. You can only pick 10, but there'll be more room for those discussions. And, you know, in a few years, Bonds and Clemens will be on the, what is it called? The, the, Veterans, the Veterans Committee. Committee. And, you know, I think yeah. there's still avenues that they'll they'll eventually get in. But, yeah, I, I think it will be beneficial to kind of get past that that PED focus with the with the ballot. Yeah, I, you know, I when I start filling it out and I vote for those guys, I, I just, that's the way I feel. Yeah. You get to like six or seven really quickly of, mm-hmm. of guys who, who hit 500 home runs but had a, PD connection. So it does kind of overtake the rest of the ballot. Yeah. I think I respect writers who have the opinion that they never want a, a PED, PED guy in there, though there probably already are some PED guys in there. But I think it's fair to, to say that they cheated. And, and if, if that's your opinion that you don't want them in there, that's cool. But again, seeing Barry Bonds, like possibly the greatest player of all time, yeah. drop off, it's, it's, it's a little bit sad as a, a baseball fan who grew up in, in the nineties and the early two thousands, but I'll get over it, I guess. <laughs> yeah. It, it is a little weird that like sort of your whole baseball experience. If you go to Cooperstown, it's, it's a little bit incomplete. Mm. I mean, I'll say as somebody, I grew up in the Bay area. I grew up a giants fan, actually. Like it's, that's the reason he's a huge reason. I love baseball. Probably partially the reason I gravitated towards this career. So, it, you know, and so you, I talked about this with some people as I put my ballot together, like everybody my age grew up on McGuire and Sosa. Like it, that was what you woke up that whole summer and looked at the newspaper when you were a little teenager. So yep. those are big reasons why, and Kenny Lofton, like he's one of the first baseball players I remember, like those, those teams he was on in the mid nineties. So those are big reasons. Some of those guys, why people like are into baseball. So I, I think they should be in the hall of fame. Yeah, I agree. So we'll find out soon enough how, how the vote goes. Uh, as of now, it looks like Ortiz only. Dave Ortiz, yeah, yeah, probably Ortiz only gets in this year. I think so. Uh, it'll be fascinating to see how much A Rod gets, how much support this first time around. Probably not going to be very high, but I guess we'll see. And we have nine more years of that. Totally <laughs> <laughs> fun. But this was a lot of fun, Alex. Uh, do you have anything to plug before yeah. you go? I know it's quiet right now in baseball, but feel free. 
If anybody has story ideas <laughs> to get us through the next month, yeah, no, I, I guess I would just say our, our podcast Giants Talk. If you want just all Giants all the time, I, I host with Cole Kuiper, who's Dwayne Kuiper's son, and yeah, he's um, great. Yeah, we have a lot of fun there, and we're. Did you have John Miller on? Recently? We had John on last week. John's the best, yeah, and during I, the season, we, yeah, we we have Dwayne on every Thursday during the season. So it that to me is like the funnest part of this job is just once a week I get to just pepper Dwayne Kuiper with questions. So. I'm I'm mostly jealous of Giants fans, not because of like the recent World Series, and all, all the interesting players in the beautiful city, but John Miller. I grew up an Orioles fan, so like he that that voice is like the first thing that brought me to baseball. It's I, I love John, listening to John Miller. Call he music. is the ultimate like get this guy to read the phone book. Yeah. <laughs> I've joked. I've. I think he thinks I'm joking. I've asked him in the past to record my outgoing voicemail message. Oh, that's to, awesome! And I, he was like, "Yeah, yeah, one day." We'll, I think he thinks I'm joking. I'm like, "No, seriously, that would, <laughs> you, have, you need to be the guy." We were talking about like you know the the people you grew up with as a baseball fan. You know whether it's Bonds or Sosa or uh, Kenny Lofton, Barry Bonds, whatever. But like Sunday Night Baseball, John yeah. Miller, like the, the gravitas that he brought to that broadcast is like a big reason why I was such a huge baseball fan. Same. So I think Giants fans are super lucky with the the broadcasters they have both on TV and radio. It's it's some of the best combinations of talent for sure. Yeah, it's insane last year. I mean, obviously Dwayne had health issues and, and had to take some time off and, you know, John Miller and Dave Fleming picked up picked up those games. It, it's just an absolutely insane four-man combination they have there. Yeah, for sure. But again, this was so much fun. We'll have to have yeah, you back. Anytime, guys. Yeah, you know, before the season or, you know, if there's a big trade or signing, we'd, we'd love to have you back. So we'll certainly try. Sounds to good. That. Thanks cool. a lot. Yeah. One more note for our listeners here. We're getting ready for the divisional round of the playoffs and the NBC Sports Predictor app powered by PointsBet has you covered with Sunday night seven. We're giving you a shot to win one million dollars by predicting what will happen between the Bucks and the Rams. That's the matchup, right? Bucks and Rams this weekend. So download today from your app store. Visit NBCSports.com slash predictor for more information. If you like what you're hearing with this show, Circling the Bases, be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, please rate and review if you don't mind. Follow us on Twitter if you don't already. I'm at DJ Short. Drew is at Drew Silve. Be safe out there, everyone, and we will see you next time. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.